How's everybody doing? Good? Enjoying winter? In Chicago, we talk about weather, I think, way too much. Does anybody agree with me? Yeah, I think it's one of the rules of living in Chicago when you're a native is that you don't really tell people outside of Chicago what's really happening. So that way, uh, we don't sound like we're complaining all the time. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, guys, uh, as Pastor Rollins said, my name is Cole. I'm associate pastor here at the church. And once a month, I get to come, I get to share the word of God with you guys. And I'm so uh, excited, but also very humbled and uh, very, very sobered to talk about what we are going to talk about from the word this morning. Um, but since we're in between series, you know, we just went through the Explore God series. Uh, this it needed to be a standalone message. It wasn't part of of a big series that we're that we're doing here, and so that gives great opportunity to press in through prayer. Because anytime you know God's given you an opportunity, you do not want want to you don't want to spoil it. You don't want to waste it. You really want to hear the voice of God, not just what He has said throughout. The generations, but what he is saying right now uh, to this particular generation, but not even just this particular generation, but this particular uh, group of people like right now. And so as I was praying, I felt like the Lord was telling me, because he was dealing with me and this in my own life, which is definitely something you should not waste when he's taking you through something. He uh, does that so that he can comfort others with it and teaches you things. And so as you can see on the screen here, we are going to be talking about the subject about how God disciplines those he loves. I'll say it again, because that really is the point of the message. It's not necessarily three points, but the main point of this message is that God disciplines those he loves. And I know in a room this size with all the different ages and, and backgrounds, there are people here that have had good experiences with discipline because their, their parents understood that discipline is for the training, is for the forming of a child so that they will go on the correct path. But some of us did not receive proper training and proper discipline, but were more familiar with punishment than we are discipline, meaning something that is done out of wrath and out of vengeance. And so when we hear about the, the father heart of God, it, it may bring up different uh, feelings when we, when we hear that. And so I feel like God just really wanted to press in on us for the next couple of minutes today so that we could worship him as he really is and not what we, what we think he is based on what we've experienced uh, or what we are experiencing at this very moment. But he wants us to know that he is a loving father, and it is not contradictory that a loving father would discipline his children. And so what we're going to learn today that because we are children, not in spite of, but because we are children, he disciplines us. So say it again, because we are children of God, he disciplines us. So before we even go into the word, let's pray, because this is a spiritual truth that can be only spiritually discerned. So let's pray and ask God to help us. Heavenly Father, uh, we ask you today to really cut away, to prune away, uh, to renew our minds according to your, your love for us. 
We pray that you would become clear in all that you are, and we thank you that you've given us your son, Jesus, and you've given us the Bible, the word of God, that clearly displays your heart toward us, God. So we just pray that you would break in, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us in all truth, and that you would begin to reshape our thoughts about your love and how discipline works into that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, guys, our main scripture that we're going to read through, and then we'll talk about it, is going to be Hebrews chapter 1. Excuse me, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 17. And I think we've got it on the screen as well. So we're going to read through this all the way, and then we're going to talk about it and see what we can learn about God's love for us through his discipline. So, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees, And make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no, quote, root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. And that is Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 17. Some pretty heavy stuff in there, but there's also some encouraging stuff. If I can get some nods. Did anybody take anything encouraging away from that? Come on, give me a nod. No, we're here. Okay, great. So what I love about this scripture that teaches us about the love of God 
through his discipline is that at the very beginning, it's a huge reminder that there is a cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. And so if you've ever read Hebrews chapter 11, you know that this is affectionately called like the hall of faith or the heroes of the faith throughout the Old Testament and throughout time that had faithfully lived according to God's, to God's ways, and yet they still did not receive the promises that were given because they knew that this was temporary, okay? So I want you to take that away from this, that when we're going through a hardship, when we're going through an endurance, this is temporary. Everybody say it with me. This is temporary. I heard a pastor say recently when we were visiting Evelise's family in Puerto Rico, he did a whole sermon called, This is Just a Test of the emergency broadcast system. You guys ever seen those, the emergency broadcast system? But what does it do? It like, it shakes you up though when you hear that. I'm not going to do it for the 60 seconds that they do it for, but it's supposed to shake you up, to wake you up, to let you know that, uh, there, that there is something going on here that is moving. And so number, number two at the beginning, he says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Okay? Are you going through discipline right now? Are you going through endurance and a hardship? Just very simply, the way that you make it through that is by looking to Jesus. I, as a man in the flesh, have been prone to not look to Jesus, but I've been prone to seek comfort. <laughs> Can anybody else agree with me? Yeah? Okay. Now, comfort in itself is not, is not wrong, but if it's comfort that is outside of God's plan for your life, you're probably forgoing some kind of character training that he's trying to build in you, some kind of aspect of Christ that he's trying to build in you. So I feel that God would encourage us today that Whenever we're going through any of it, we should ask the question of God, what, what are you doing right now? How are, you, how are you forming Christ in me? And so that is one simple question that we can ask, and then we can always look to Jesus to answer that question. And it says, Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The founder and perfecter of our faith. So what does that mean? You have to look to him and how he handled it. And also that if this is a test from God, it will take faith. This will not be able to be accomplished just simply through human willpower or human uh, discipline, but it will take a supernatural trust that God is doing something that can only be seen uh, through the eyes of faith. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And I feel that God will remind us, too, that there is joy even in the midst of the pain. It may not be joy from the comforts of this earth, but if your eyes are really on Jesus and the Holy Spirit is living in you, when you see what it's going to be like when you get to that city that is not made with human hands. You will be able to endure what is going on right now, and not just endure it, but you will actually, even though you may not be feeling the joy, it may be oppression and depression that's happening, you will still be able to have that joy that is 
uh, promised to us uh, when we get to heaven. And then let's just skip down, guys. Let's get, let's get to, to the meat of this. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. So regard God's discipline as love. And then as I was praying about this, guys, I, I'll be honest with you. If, can, I, can I talk freely instead of feeling like a presenter? Is that okay? Okay, good. I don't really like presenting. I like talking. Thank you. Uh, so while I was praying for this, I was like, God, why do I always get so anxious about this? And so uh, the reason I'm sharing this with you is because I need you to know that, that I'm a human as well. I'm a disciple of Jesus being trained and being formed. And he was like, Cole, you were always trying to put on the armor of Saul. And you are not Saul. Do you guys remember the story where, where uh, King David, well, he wasn't king at the time, but he was anointed to do something, right? And so he went out there, and he was going to fight this big giant Goliath, right? And all he had was this sling and his stones. Well, of course, in the eyes of the world, they're like, this is not enough. And so Saul brings him in, and Saul tries to put this big, heavy armor on him. Saul thought he was helping, right? But what did David say? David said that this, like... I can't do this. This doesn't fit me. This is, not, this is not my style. This is not how I was trained to fight. This is not how I was brought up. And so what did he do? He took off the, um, the expectations that were put on him, and he just said, you know, God, I'm going to take what you've already given me, and he picks up his five stones, and then he goes out with what God has given him. So you are equipped to do everything that you are called to do. So I did not have a good understanding of this. And so I'm praying, God, I don't really understand discipline. I grew up in a household where my father, uh, I know he loved me, but he was so busy. He worked all the time, and I know he was trying to provide for us, but he didn't have time to shape me and form me. So really, when I came to God, it, it really was like a father-son relationship where I needed this discipline in my life. But I admit to you, there was many times where my father did try to discipline me, and I despised it. I threw it off. And I'll share with you one specific time um, that that happened. When I was 18 years old, still living at home, so I was an adult, but I was living at home, I had said, I said, Dad, I'm going to be out past, past 10 o'clock because I'm part of this business team, and we're doing great things in the world. We're, we're changing the world, we're, but we don't have time to do this during the normal work hours, so we have to stay out till like 1 a.m., just eating pizza and talking and everything. And my dad, finally, for like one time in my life that I remember, he's like, no, you're not going to do that. You will be home at 10 o'clock. And if not, then you have, to, you have to go somewhere else. So instead of being willing to listen to my dad and receive shelter, and food, and all these things, I said, fine then. And what happened is I actually moved out that night. I did not come home. And I moved out, and I started living with a friend for two weeks, and was uh, living on the couch. And then we ended up moving to Raleigh, North Carolina. And the reason I'm telling you this, guys, is because that one choice of saying no when my dad finally decided to do what was right as a father led to like like a real 
I don't know if estrangement is the right word, but a real separation between me and my relationship with my dad. And it took about seven years till I was 25 years old when Jesus got a hold of me for me to make that relationship right. So what is the point of that story? The point of that story is that like every attempt by your father to discipline you, which means to do what is best for you, because he didn't want me to get hurt. And what ended up happening too with that story is I ended up filing bankruptcy at the age of 25 because I had just gone down this road of not listening to people, not my father, not other people who were trying to discipline me to say that you're wasting your money, you're wasting your time. And so it ended up in bankruptcy. Maybe if I would have listened to my father right there at the beginning, maybe that would have been the start of a new life of where I began to take people and people that were listening to God for me when I wasn't able to and applying that to my life. But that was not the case, so it led to bankruptcy. So I encourage you today, if you hear your Heavenly Father like whispering something and maybe you haven't been listening to him, you can still listen today and get set on a new track and a new course. And then as I was asking the Lord about this as well, most of us in here, uh, I think as I look around, most of us have made a decision to, to follow Christ. Now, what that means is that most of us have decided that, okay, I understand that, that I am a sinner. I get that because nobody's perfect. It takes a lot of pride for us to say that we're perfect. But we have not made the decision to be a disciple of Christ. And, of course, you see the word discipline and what is most of the word? The disciple, right? You see how they go together, right? A disciple is somebody who is under the discipline of the Lord, what Jesus said to go and make disciples of all nations. And so with that being said, the most loving thing that God can do for you and for me is to discipline us. Because when we're making disciples of us, he's actually teaching us how to follow Jesus. And when we're following Jesus, we're doing things that actually attract the life of God. Uh, into us, and so that we can receive all of his blessings. He said, don't regard it lightly, uh, the discipline of the Lord, which I did, and so um, I repented of that, and then now I'm set on the right track. But also he said, it is for discipline that you have to endure. And guys, once again, this stood out to me as something that I had never thought about. Uh, I thought of endurance as just something that was fruitless. It's because I did something that brought this on to me. It was a a response of consequences. Um, but then I feel like God re- revealed to me, he's like, no, Cole. This again is about my love for you. If you're enduring, sorry, I lost my place. Um, for, it is for discipline that you have to endure. So it's God's training that you are having to endure, not just the consequences of your sin, but that you have to endure the consequences of other people's sin. Are you following me? Like when we talk about persecution, right? Okay, I want you to think about Jesus real quick. Because I know even in the church, we still get offended, right? Uh, And we have to endure through people who aren't thinking the same way that we are. Or they're trying to um, do what they think is best. And, you know, we feel persecuted about it. I want you to think about the Lord Jesus and who was persecuting him. It was people that said that that they loved God, the Pharisees, right? 
So there will be endurance that is needed even through people who are supposedly on the same page as us. And the reason that's important is because when there is any kind of strife, even in the church, you need to know that God is still using that even to form Christ in us. And it's even part of his discipline. It doesn't mean that the parties don't have something to repent about. They surely do. But God will still use that to train us into the image of Christ because even he was nailed to a cross by people who said, uh, that some of them anyway, that said that they loved God and they were doing God's will. Are you feeling me in that? So it will happen. But there will be persecution from people who, who uh, outwardly, blatantly uh, hate God. They, have no, they don't want to have anything to do with God. But that also is for your being formed into Christ, but it's also for their salvation as well. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which y'all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we, that we may share in his holiness. So the discipline that we receive from our parents, our earthly fathers, uh, it doesn't always translate over to what God is doing in us. Our earthly fathers did not always discipline us for our good. So there can be some resentment that is justified, right? It doesn't mean that we should hold it against them. We should forgive them, but we cannot put that on God. God, as the perfect, the perfect judge, he disciplines us for our good. But even more than that, he disciplines us for our, for our holiness. I was reading up, and I came across a quote. It was anonymous. I don't know who said it. I'd love to get a credit to them. But they said that if we, if we don't hate sin, we'll see God's discipline as punishment. If we don't hate sin, we will see God's discipline as punishment. But if we hate sin and we don't want to do it anymore, we receive the roadblocks that God puts in our lives to redirect us and we thank him for them. That that rocked me, guys. That really rocked me. Scripture says, do not despise the Lord's discipline. And I was despising it. I was not I said I was a disciple of Jesus. I wanted to be disciplined, but whenever something bad would happen, I'd just be like, oh my gosh! Why, Lord? Why me? Why is this happening? Is it just me? No. If you do that, if sometimes, just let me know. Be like, yeah, okay, thank you. Yes, even as a pastor, why, God? I don't get why this is happening. And that's just because I forget that he is disciplining me. Um, and it's for my holiness, Holiness is not easy. It only can come through, through a, it, it cannot come through any self-discipline. It can only come through, um, uh, through God's doing, working it in us. Even as we are made holy in Christ, he is making us holy. And there's still more to come. For the moment, all discipline seems painful, amen, rather than pleasant. 
but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Guys, I don't have to tell you this. We're all on the same page. It's really painful. But also, I think for all you parents out there um, with your children, it's not only painful for the children. It's painful for you, right, to discipline your children. Yeah, I see some nods. Um, The reason I say that is because if it's painful for you, imagine what it is like for your heavenly father. He's like, oh, why are you, oh, I just imagine, I don't have kids yet, but I just imagine he's like, why are you doing this again? I do not, I do not want to spank you right now. I do, I, I do not, this is going to be embarrassing. It's going to be embarrassing for you as well. I do not want to do this right now. So God does not take pleasure in having to correct us over and over, other than the fact that if we respond to it and we change, and then we can receive his blessings in our lives that can only come through walking the straight and narrow path, then, okay, it was worth it, but it was still not pleasurable for him to bring that discipline into our lives. Amen? Amen. But it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And that's what God is looking for. He is looking for disciples that produce fruit and produce fruit that last. Okay, this was my, this was my favorite part, guys. And thanks for, thanks for letting me uh, just talk to you. I really appreciate it. But I've heard Rollin quote this scripture to me all the time, and I never had the guts to be like, Rollin, I don't really understand that. <laughs> uh, I, okay, good. It's not just me. Uh, but it's here in Hebrews where it says, Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. I was, I was like, what? I don't, I don't understand that at all. What, what do you mean? Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. I got it now. You guys want to hear what it's about? Okay, here's what it's about. I went back to Leviticus in chapter 28. Okay, Leviticus is probably like the least favorite book of the Bible for most people because it's very difficult. But I got something out of it that was very helpful here. And here's what I got. Uh, God is talking to his chosen people that he wants to bless so much, but he's telling them, "You, you have to obey me. You have to obey me. Like, the only way this is going to go well is you have to obey me. And so throughout the whole chapter, I noticed a, uh, a series of events that's here. God is saying, if you disobey me, I'm not going to read through it because it's really long. If you disobey me, I'm going to rebuke you in this way, this way, this way, and this way. It wasn't like very difficult rebukes, but it was enough to be like, okay, I'm not, I'm not happy right now. I need you to turn around. I need you to repent so that we can get back on track. And then after that paragraph, it says, but if you choose not to turn around when I've done these things, I'm going to do this, this, and this sevenfold of what I just did to you. So the punishment, the discipline got more severe. And it was very difficult. And then the next paragraph was like, and if you don't repent still, I'm going to do this, this, and this sevenfold. So this is sevenfold times sevenfold at this point, right? So it was even more severe. 
And then he basically gets to the end of it where there's like nothing left to do to try to get the, his people to turn around. And my heart broke because even there at the end, he said, and yet, even in all of this, I will not break my covenant with you. I will not utterly destroy you. Even after all of this, you have not responded. You've been stiff-necked. I would not destroy you. And I don't know a better way to say it other than God does not want to God does not want us to be put out of joint. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't want to break us, right? We've gotten weak. We haven't obeyed. He doesn't... I'm sorry, I need to look at it right here. He doesn't want to take what is already beat up, basically, a bruised weed, reed he will not break, and make it even worse. But his, his desire is to, is to heal us. But if we don't, and I feel like I'm crying out to somebody in the room, more so than just myself, that you've been, you've been sensing the Lord's, well, you've been feeling his, his discipline on you, but you haven't turned because you're saying this doesn't apply to me. Um, and there's another place where a guy says, uh, I bless myself instead of the Lord, and I'm the exception to the rule. Um, and that was not the case. And so whoever, whoever that is in here, uh, Guys, just just stop. Turn around. I'm not saying that you don't love Jesus, but I'm saying that he wants more, more for you. He wants to bless you more than you want to bless yourself, and he's trying to get it to you. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to be healthy. Um, he, he just wants you to be fruitful. But your disobedience is stopping him from being able to do that. But yet, he wants you to be trained by it and have strong arms, and he doesn't want you to be feeble. And so now I understand what Rollin was saying when he was, he was trying to be nice, when I wish he maybe would have just said, like, Cole, stop being stupid. <laughs> like, you're, you're going to kill yourself. I respond to that stuff better. But he would quote the scripture to me. <laughs> Basically, God doesn't want to beat you. <laughs> he wants you to be healed. He wants you to be strong. Uh, and then strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Strive for peace with everyone. What is the context of this scripture? The, con- the context is endurance. The context is the reason you need to endure is because you're being disciplined, and you're being disciplined through circumstances, and you're also being disciplined through other people that are persecuting you. But you still have to pursue peace. You still have to pursue peace because that is what God does. Those who pursue peace will be called children of God. So you cannot throw off the discipline and just try to give people what they deserve. You still have to pursue peace. Hmm. And for the holiness, holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So our circumstances, just to speak, speak bluntly, no matter what you're enduring or what uh, discipline God is putting on you, your circumstances are never a, a good reason for living unholy. And if it does become a reason to not obey God, then it's not doing what it's supposed to do. So there's no excuse that will fly before the Lord. 
of not obeying him and living unholy. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And some of you are asking, am I my, am I my brother's keeper? Yes. Yes, you are. See to it that no one obtains the great, excuse me, fails to obtain the grace of God. We need grace. We need each other to dispense grace. Sometimes we dispense discipline to each other in the name of the Lord. <laughs> but we also need the same person to dispense grace as well, because God does both. He gives discipline, he gives grace. And that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. I also didn't, that's one of those things, guys, I also didn't know what that meant. Like, I read it a thousand times, and I was like, okay, just people get bitter in their heart, right? It's talking about living in peace. Bitterness is the opposite of peace. But really, it's quoting Deuteronomy 28. And there's a guy in Deuteronomy who says, I am not going to obey the Lord. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't want his blessing. I'll just bless myself. You know, all men's ways are right in his own eyes, right, basically. And so he chooses to bless himself instead of seeking the Lord's blessing through following him. And Deuteronomy calls that a poisonous root, or excuse me, fruit of bitterness. And so what they are saying is that if we allow one person in the body of Christ to not obtain the grace of God and to get bitter with God or each other, because if you can't love man who's made in his image, how can you love him, right? If we allow that to happen, it will be poison and it will spread throughout. So by confronting each other and being like, like hey, you know, let's, let's talk about this. I know this is going on. You're having a hard time. Let me, let me process this with you about maybe what God's doing in your life so that you don't grow bitter against God and saying, I'm underneath the Lord's discipline. He, he hates me. And then you sink into depression. No, no, no. You need the people of God, and we need to leave the 99, and we need to go after the one. Because, number one, God loves that person, but there can't be, there can't be sin in the camp, is what the Old Testament says, because it eventually will come back to all of us, and eventually will affect us. Because it says, the root of bitterness springs up. It's like, where did that come from? How did that happen? That's been going on for a long time. It's been under the surface. You haven't been seeking out people that you, God was putting on your heart. You've just been like, no, I need to go do whatever over here and not send that text message and check on them. I'm guilty of this, guys. I am guilty of this. And th- but, but I still ask, like, oh, no, why is that person going? Why did they make that dumb decision? It sprung up and caused trouble. And by it, many become defiled. We already talked about that. Not just that person, but many. See to it that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. So two things here, guys. Two things here. 
I've heard people take this scripture and they, 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 they rightfully say that, you know, God will not strive with man forever. Meaning today is the day of salvation. When he's calling you to repent about something, you should respond, you should respond then. We should respond then. We should not presume on God to give us another opportunity. But though he's merciful and it's a will that no one would perish, we shouldn't presume on God. Okay? And our hearts will grow colder and harder each time, and therefore the discipline gets more severe and harder each time. But what this is talking about with Esau is that he was unholy because he did not consider holy and 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 separ- and uh, excuse me uh, set apart what God did, and then he did not receive discipline. As I was reading through the commentaries, there there's nothing in the scripture that talks about Esau ever responding to to any kind of discipline. I basically think that we would say like Esau was kind of like spo- he was spoiled, you know, he his parents let him do whatever he wanted to do, whatnot. But the part here, for you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, after he had already lost it, he didn't realize what he had until it was gone, okay? When we don't see the discipline of God for what it is, after, you know, we realize what would have been formed in us, we're like, oh, why did I just not, like, practice every day to make it to the Olympics? I could have been the best, you know, or whatever the situation is that God's working in our lives to make us more like Christ, um, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Okay, what this does not mean, this does, does, this does not mean that anybody who truly repents comes to Jesus by faith, that he will reject them. He will not reject them if he, they truly come to him by faith. But what this is talking about, Esau wanted the blessing more than he wanted to be right with God. He wanted the blessing more than he wanted wanted to be right with God, and what he sought was not being right with God. He sought the blessing, and he sought it with tears because he realized what he had missed by not being right. And then I want to read one more scripture with you. I'm not sure if we have it up there, and we'll, and we'll call it a day, and we'll let the Lord do what he does in us. Scripture is Revelation three fourteen through 22. And he says, And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. And this is Jesus speaking. I know your works. You were neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And usually when we're not willing to accept our Heavenly Father's loving discipline, we don't realize that there's more for us. He wants to do more in us. He wants to accomplish more. And so therefore, we despise his discipline, and we don't accept it. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and disciplined. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
Revelation 3:14 through 22. If you've ever looked up the process for refining gold, it's very interesting. They heat it up really hot, right? And when they do, all the impurities float to the top, and then they, then they scrape it off. That's a painful word, scrape it off. It gets heat up first, ow, but then it's scraping, ow. They scrape it off. But I learned two things I want to share with you that I didn't know about that, and then we'll have a moment to ask God to work in us. Pure gold, apparently, in the world of chemistry and metals and alloys, is the most malleable of all the metals when it's in its solid form. That mean, malleable means it can be molded, right? So what does that say about what God wants to do with us through discipline? He wants us to be so walking with the Holy Spirit that we actually never have to go through <laughs> any of the self-inflicted outer discipline. He just wants us to, to obey him the first time and flow with him and let him mold us. But then I learned another thing about gold, pure gold, when it's refined as well. It's a superconductor. That means energy can flow through it without hindrance. Does anybody else want to be malleable? Like receive the Lord's discipline? Yeah? Does anybody else want to be a hindrance-free zone for the Holy Spirit to flow through? Oh, Lord, I do. Yeah, so let's just pray. And if the worship team uh, could come back up, uh, that would be great. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you would take uh, uh, that you would take what was once um, what was once lost, and that you would seek it. That you would take what was what was once an orphan, and that you would call us your own, and that you would make us children. And then we thank you that not only after you call us children, that you would um, strive with us for a season to discipline us for our good in hopes that we would receive and that we would turn and that by faith Christ would be formed in us each day as we choose to surrender to you. Lord, I and for those who are feeling the same way, Lord, we ask you to help us to not despise your discipline, to see it as the most loving thing that you could do for us, Lord. Rewire our minds, renew our minds, Lord. We want you to form us into the image of your most cherished, prized possession, your son, Jesus. Lord, we know you're not slow in keeping your promises, but you're merciful and you want to give people time to repent. But Lord, forgive us if we have presumed on your mercy. Forgive us if we have uh, presumed on anything that... um, has kept us from you, Lord. Lord, let us value time, Lord. Let us not want to go another day separated from you. But Lord, we pray that you would work in us, that we would endure until the end, that we would not grow weary in well-doing, Lord, that the discipline would actually make us stronger, Lord, that the lame would be healed, that we would not be put out of joint because of more severe discipline but, Lord, that we would repent, Lord. So we ask you right now for that gift. Lord, as you heat up the fire for us that are going, everybody's going through circumstances, but, but Lord, we ask as you heat up the fire and the dross comes to the top, Lord, 
Lord, help us to have mercy with one another when we see the dross coming up. To not be disgusted by one another as you're purifying not just us, but a church, an entire body with fire. Lord, we truly want to be your children, not illegitimate children. We trust you that you would do this and you will help us because you love us in Jesus' name.